course, I am part of that family that Mr. Tay and Miss Anne decided to start. But before we get into the details about little me, it is important you know where I came from. And half of that very important equation is my daddy, Mr. Tay. <laughs> I can't even say his name without smiling and feeling a real sense of purpose and duty. Mr. Tay was tall, dark, and handsome, like the literal definition of that phrase. He stood over six feet tall, was dark as night, and had the brightest eyes and brightest smile you've ever seen. I've also heard it said more than once that he had amazing legs and a killer physique. When you hear more about my mom and who she is, you'll understand that only a hot rod like Mr. Tay could bag a woman like Miss Anne. He had a presence, he was a vision, and he was my daddy. Oh, <laughs> icing on the cake, daddy was rich. I'm talking rich, rich. And like the daughter of any rich man, I had no idea what he did for a living. All I knew is that if he wasn't showering me with affections by way of lavish jewels or exotic animals or whisking our family around the world on a whim... Then he was filling my soul with values by showing me the outermost reaches of our gorgeous country, Ghana, or asking me to join him while he explored the stars on our rooftop through his telescope, or taking me out with him into the community of Osu to be front and center to see him helping out those less fortunate than us. Yeah, <laughs> my daddy was special. It's unfortunate I only knew him for a few years before he was taken away from us. Oh my goodness. Those years were packed with so much excitement and so much life that I don't even know how I'm going to put it into words. One of my earliest memories of my dad was when for some reason I really felt like I needed a white rabbit. I must have just watched Bambi or something and my dad made it happen. Before I knew it, I was in the back of a pickup truck suffocating under the stench of one of his goons, my uncle Nijon, headed somewhere we'll find out about later. When we arrived at this uncompleted building, I saw my dad there with some perfect white rabbits, not one, not two, a bunch, just a group of rabbits for me to pick from. You can imagine why that's one of those core memories for me. I also remember we used to have rolling blackouts or lights off as we refer to them in Ghana. And those used to be the most fun for me because I always knew that whenever the lights went off, my dad was going to pull out the family RV in our driveway. And the whole family would get to spend the night in the air-conditioned vehicle just eating and watching movies and really forgetting that we're in the middle of a blackout. But that was life with Mr. Teo Kuna. Surreal. It was grand. I had no idea that other little girls didn't walk around with security detail. No clue that it wasn't normal for people to have passports stapled to each other because you just ran out of visa space from all your travels. We lived our best life and it was thanks to daddy. But like all good things, this life did have to come to an end. And boy, did it end in the most crazy, sad, 
ridiculous way. It was the year 1996, and according to certain outlets and publications like the Ghana Gazette, the Mirror, and Daily Graphic newspapers, my father was a rich man turned politician. After doing some great work with the National Democratic Congress, or NDC, the party from which Flight Lieutenant Jerry John Rawlins became president, my dad decided to take matters into his own hands and become a man of the people. He threw his money where his mouth is and immediately started doing good work in the community. He was the chairman of the Osuklote Sub-Metropolitan Assembly, leader of the Youth Workmen Committee, and was a political game and fisheries pundit for the nation. Again, I can't hide my smile, my sense of purpose, and my pride in having a pedigree passed down from this man. Now, Daddy lost the election that year. It was very close. He lost by only 3,280 points. So that was about a 3.2% difference between him and the front runner. The front runner was part of the ruling party at the time, and my dad was an independent. So that was something to be proud of. But little did we know that Daddy's stand for the little guy his audacity to stand up against a man to make our country a better place, put a target on his back so big and a bounty on his life so substantial that there was nothing anyone could do to save Mr. Ted. The year was 1997 and Daddy had moved on from the election. He had put it behind him and gone back to his business ways. Remember that house of rabbits I talked about earlier? Yeah. Turns out that was Daddy's pet project. A 15 million city development that my dad had poured his time, resources, and reputation into to build what was supposed to be a hotel complex. Now, aside from it being my personal bunny farm, (laughs) I had visited that place several times before. I believe I got my first string of waist beads by some ladies over there. And I remember running through what would have been the lobbies and the rooms, picking which suites were going to be dedicated to me and my sister and my family for when we came to visit. But I also remember a day of pure chaos where I had a moment like Princess Anastasia. You know, that scene where the Romanovs were being taken out and Dimitri helps Anastasia into the call space and she's able to escape and survive? Yeah. The way it happened for me is walls were tumbling down and concrete was falling everywhere and my Dimitri saw me through a crack in a wall. But... Unlike Anastasia, I didn't escape unscathed. I managed to leave with a huge gash in the back of my head, one that still gives me pains to this day and is still tender to the touch. And now I know where that memory stems from. According to an article from the Daily Graphic from May 2nd, 1997, apparently that plot of land was the subject of a dispute between my father and a businessman who gets no shine on my podcast. (laughs) Apparently, 
sometime in April of 97, that businessman sent over armed guards to my father's development and instructed them to tear it down. Now, of course, these are hired hands, so it doesn't matter if there are women, children, elderly, or innocents around. They're going to do what they were hired to do. And who knows, maybe me being there was the perfect time to attack because any papa bear would want to protect his little cub. And so when this all happened, it resulted in the total destruction of everything but the foundations of my dad's hard work the beginning of a bitter legal battle that daddy unfortunately did not live to see the end. According to the newspaper, this man alleged that the use of force was necessary because, quote, Mr. Okuno continued to defy orders and has been building steadily, end quote. He went on further to say, quote, the whole story as presented by Mr. Teokuna has been a twist designed to give it a political slant to score political points, end quote. There it was, that crazy election. It was unfathomable that someone would, in their eyes, throw away 15 million cities to create jobs and tourism and bring more life into our country, which by today's standards would be about 30 million cities, which would be a little over $2.5 million, but still a lot of money for the times and the purpose. And because daddy did what he did, people wanted him dead. But he couldn't die, not yet. In May of that same year, a day before my birthday, the case was set to go to trial. My sister was close to arriving and the family decided to live our best lives once more. Now, at this point, I was walking around with a giant Band-Aid on the back of my head, and my daddy was a little bit on edge. By the time my sister was born and it was time for her christening, he was still on edge. That was around the first time that I recall not only not being allowed to sit in his meetings, but noticing him walking around with his staff. Yeah, he had a little staff that he walked around with that concealed a little sword in there. My dad was on edge. That was also around the time that I found out what a lawyer was. I didn't know that it wasn't normal for lawyers to walk around with guns, but our lawyers did, and who could really blame them? They were defending Mr. Teokuna. They had to do what was necessary to make sure that they would show up on the day of trial, which was coming up in a few months. In the meantime, I had no idea that the memories I was banking at that time were going to be some of the last memories I would ever have of my father. After my sister was christened, we had a blast. We went on a family vacation to Ada. One of the things my dad loved doing was riling up my mother. And on this particular trip, I just remember he was doing wheelies with the speedboat and my mom was screaming at the top of her lungs. My sister and I were wearing matching one pieces. Of course, my mother was nervous because she had a baby, not even one, in the back of this speedboat. And here's her crazy husband just doing wheelies and spinning around. And I was no help because being me, I decided I was going to be tough and stand up, try to hold my balance against the force and the wind and 
it was such a good time. I remember she refused to get on the jet skis after that, and she and I and my sister spent the rest of the day and probably the rest of the time just in the pool, relaxing and having a good time as a family. Muddled up in that sack of good time and time memories <laughs> was my sister's christening. It was a spectacle, amazing. And I, for the first time, registered how much respect my father and mother had in our community. There's even a photo of me reaching up to my dad and you can see the big patch in the back of my head with my band-aid and he was standing with such authority and such prominence and my mother was holding my sister and that image is just ingrained in my mind as a moment of us standing united and us not knowing, us being the children, not knowing that my father was probably sending a message to the community that he was going to do what was necessary to see each and every single day through as the papa bear of our family. But not just as the papa bear of our family, but as the gamanche, as the man who stood up for Osu, as the independent almost clenched that impossible election, but for some powerful people beyond reproach. Forgive me as I go down memory lane one last time. <laughs> we had a Christmas celebration where my dad opened up our entire home to the community and for as far as the eye could see, there were people lined up there was food, there was drink, the family was secure and safe on the rooftop, and we put on a fireworks display for the community. But it's things like that, memories like those, that really make me who I am. Because no matter how high you rise, you have to remember where you started, and you have to remember that no one is too great to fall. Rolling into the end of this half of where I came from, I want to revisit the Daily Graphic in an article published on December 4th of 97. The story headline reads, Te Okuna Granted Bail. It goes on to say, and I'm reading directly from the article, but not giving direct quotes because it is an article. It goes on to say, Te's name is reported to have been mentioned to the police by some of those arrested as the one who organized them. And when he went to the station to bail them, he was nabbed. According to the investigation, the victim's gold chain, watch, and an amount of 180,000 cities were stolen from him. Those arrested mentioned Te Okuna as the one who organized them to take the action. 
When he therefore went to the station to bail them out, he was also arrested. Meanwhile, a third party associated with these claims told the newspaper that the effect of this should be the destooling of the alleged victim of this crime that my father allegedly put together. According to this third party intervener, the God traditions were not properly followed, and as a result, the people were stricken with confusion and misleading information. Therefore, any claims to the seat are now null and void because the God tradition has not given any power to enstool or destool a chief in this way. There we have it again. Another claim for power, another pull to politics. Daddy just couldn't escape it. Even while doing what he always did, which was help young men and women who find themselves in a bind, out of a bind, with no questions asked, that bounty on his head, that target on his back, still could not be shaken off. This is also around the time where I started to form my last two memories of my dad, and unfortunately, neither of them were too good. The first started like any other day where my dad would have people over for a meeting, and certainly must have been after this happened. I put two and two together because I believe around this time I found myself getting stitches under my eye. There's a scar that's still visible to this moment that I'm looking at as I speak, and that's because I was roughhousing a little too much and banged my head into a swing set. But that's not the point. The point is I know that these two must have happened around the same time because I remember after getting treatment, my mother rushed me off to my grandmother's house and I could hear them chatting about police station and being held on bail and things of that nature, but I didn't interfere. Afterward, when we were back in our home, there was an airy feeling in the air. My dad had called a meeting with men who weren't his typical goons, but had the same energy as his goons. But this time I was determined I was not going to be left out of another meeting. For some reason, I just loved being in the room where power brokering was happening and I snuck under his desk. He had no idea I was there and my ga was non-existent and I barely understood what was going on because my parents spoke English to me. But I remember I popped out from under the desk and thought I was making a fun surprise, letting my dad know, I'm here, I'm here. And the tension in the room was so palpable. Everyone had their staff in hand and I'm lucky nobody drew anything out because at that time, it was a time for survival. My dad looked at me, picked me up, and put me right outside the door. Looked at me one last time as he closed it. Quite honestly, that was the last time I saw my father upright. 
must have been about a year after when the next time I saw my dad, he was in a casket. I remember thinking, where's daddy? Why are so many people at the house? What's going on? Why am I in my fourth outfit of the day? I mean, this is normal, but I don't usually change into cloth. Nobody was answering my questions. Nobody was acknowledging what was going on. I don't really remember where my mother was. I don't really remember where my sister was. I think I thought we were maybe trying to campaign again. I thought, okay, another rally. There are thousands of people by our house, thousands of people meeting us where we are. It's got to be another rally, right? Wrong. It was my father's funeral. The reason why there were thousands of people this time is because they held it as a state funeral. The reason why nobody was answering my questions was because how do you tell a child that their father is dead? I remember my mother coming to pick me up and take me to the front of this group. And I thought, oh, yay, I finally get to see daddy. Do I get to give a speech? Do I get to sit on his shoulders? What do I do? She took me to where his body was staged, and there he was, laying in the casket. I still didn't get it. I, I didn't get it. My mother hoisted me up and put me in his face, and she was crying. Ima, why? Why? Come back to us. Don't leave us. Why? I didn't get it. Daddy, wake up, Daddy. Daddy, what are you... I touched his hand. It was wrapped up, covered in big, expensive gold rings, but he was cold. He was lifeless. My daddy was dead. And in that moment, <laughs> I lost it. I cried and I started sounding like my mom. Come back, come back. No. No. He was done. All because he chose to stand up for what was right. All because he put himself out there for our people. I'm very proud to have been able to share this, and I'm very proud to call myself his daughter. But someone said it a little bit better than me. In an op-ed piece from Joy Online from the year 2015, yes, he had that much of an impact that people are still talking about him. The author writes, Never forget this independent candidate who moved the constituency along with anywhere he went. His impact was so great, some of us believe if he had won the seat with the sanitation campaign, no case of cholera would be shamefully recorded in Accra, as the cases have been. We carried brooms and followed him, since that was his symbol. Anybody who goes to Osu Cemetery should look for him and salute him. His grave is fancy and conspicuous. I'm talking about... Honorable Te Okuno. 
God rest his soul. Akewakabe Wombe. To wit, the local God language. They said we should not sweep, but we are sweeping. My daddy was a great man. He did great things. One of the greatest things he did, aside from giving me this pedigree, was really introducing me to my first superhero. That's right. You'll learn all about her in the next episode. Because she's my mom, Miss Anne Von Williams. <laughs> <laughs>